Kabul fell, eerily like Saigon fell, 46 years ago. We all knew it would happen. We, being the military leadership, the foreign policy folks, the people who pay attention to these things. As wife Annette and I sat on the shade-shrouded, screened-in porch, enjoying an unusual, delightfully cool mid-August late afternoon, we watched all too familiar images of helicopters evacuating a U.S. embassy as the excited voices of television reporters recited the two familiar refrains of a story we've heard before. Chaos in the evacuation of U.S. personnel. Classified papers burning at the embassy. Ragtag-looking fighters taking possession of a nation's capital. Two presidents, Trump and Biden, who couldn't be more diametrically opposed, had agreed on one thing. We're getting out of Afghanistan. When former President Trump announced the pullout last year, I told Annette, the Taliban will take over shortly after we leave. I told her a month ago, the Afghan government won't last until Labor Day. All the television pundits and the American government spokesmen are announcing what a shock that the Taliban have won so quickly. That, my friends, is PR spin. If they believe that, they should be immediately fired for ignoring reality. Anyone paying attention could see that the Afghan government would quickly fall. Watching the U.S. Army Chinook helicopter ferry the loads of American civilians through Kabul's dust-choked skies, I turned to Annette and said, This is killing me. Startled, she asked, What? Watching this. It wasn't the raging grief that I felt on too many occasions at soldiers' funerals. It was a dull depression. It was the sick-to-my-stomach emptiness at the bottom of my gut. As the commanding general of the Illinois Guard from 2007 to 2012, I'd trained, equipped, and ordered thousands of soldiers and airmen, men and women, to Afghanistan and the Middle East. Lives of citizen soldiers interrupted by a call to war thousands of miles away. A 20-year war. A war among people whose culture few understood and even fewer cared about. A war that, since there was no draft and relatively few casualties, at least compared to Vietnam or Korea or World War II, few cared about or cared enough about to protest or burn draft cards or march on Washington. Most of those part-time soldiers came home, some of them grievously wounded all of them deeply changed by the experience. A few came home with American flag draped over their coffin. All of them were honored, some with medals, most with parades, and nearly 2,400 with rifle volleys fired by smartly uniformed honor guards at tiny country cemeteries and sprawling, immaculately manicured military burial grounds. 2,400 lives that will never be lived. Two trillion dollars that will never be invested in education or highways or clean water. Veterans' hospitals that will be treating the wounded with scars seen and unseen for decades. The soldiers and sailors and Marines and airmen did as they were asked. Their families lived through sleepless nights. The guardsmen and reservists' employers and communities missed their services. They are good and honorable men and women. They served and served their country well. Did the policymakers of our country serve them well? 
Did we prevent another terrorist attack like 9-11? Did we protect the lives of our innocent countrymen? Were the lives, blood, treasure, and valor needlessly squandered? Were our actions those of righteousness or of vengeance? I don't pretend to know the answers to those questions. What I do know is that while I don't miss the long, boring hours riding in a C-130 with 60 dozing troopers while the four propellers pull us through night skies from the Persian Gulf to Kabul, I do miss the camaraderie, the sense of purpose, and teamwork of the American military. With each Memorial Day, each Fourth of July, each September 11th, each Veterans Day, and most other days, too, I relive the grief and the guilt knowing that of the soldiers I ordered to combat, 19 of my comrades, 19 of the citizen soldiers, 19 of the volunteers who stood up and said, Take me, Lord, didn't come home to their families. That is a burden I cannot and will not put down. It is a burden American politicians and policymakers should consider before they order us to war again. As German Chancellor Otto von Bismarck said in the 1800s, the whole of the Balkans is not worth the bones of a single Pomeranian grenadier. What will be said of America's involvement in Afghanistan two centuries from now? Kabul fell. This has been Bill Enyart with Reflections from the River. You can email me at bill at billenyart.com. That's B-I-L-L at B-I-L-L-E-N-Y-A-R-T dot com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>